and verse number 1. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could, please, this morning. John chapter number 9 and verse number 1. John chapter number 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this morning. Help me to say what only you would have me to say. Lord, I yield myself to you and I beg you please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me. Father, pour out your spirit upon this service. And I pray that you would speak to each and every person as they need and only as they need. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. As I began to prepare for church this Sunday, the Lord, I believe, laid this passage and this text on my heart. I'll be honest with you, initially, as I began to dig into it a little bit and study it some, it's a simple passage, but I always want to make sure that I'm within context and that I'm pulling as much out as the Lord would have me to pull out of the Scripture. And so, as I began to take the time to consider it, I noticed that the theme is almost identical to the message that I preached last week. I don't often repeat subject matters, not because I'm trying to control what is said behind the pulpit and avoid those things, but just often as the Lord leads, it's not the way it works. But as a preacher, you become somewhat self-conscious. But Lord, I already said this. I already preached on this. The points are largely the same. But I feel deeply impressed that for some reason the Lord would have me to preach this passage, whether or not it sounds repetitive to you. And I don't know what God's full intention or purpose is, but I hope that you'll give him a chance to speak to your heart. I want you to look at verse number four again, if you would, please. Jesus sees this man who is blind and he feels greatly burdened to help him. Now remember, his disciples said, Who has sinned that this man is blind? He or his parents? <laughs> and sometimes that's the way we think. We think because somebody is having hardship and dealing with something that is unlike what we're dealing with, that it must be God that's doing it. Well, he must be being judged for his sin. That's why he's blind. So, Lord, who has sinned that he's in this state? And I want to remind you of something this morning. Not everything bad that happens in life 
is because God is against you and you've gotten into sin. In other words, just because something goes wrong doesn't mean God is judging you. Just because you're having a hard time doesn't necessarily... Now, God might be. He might be trying to get your attention. And you need to be humble enough to ask Him, Lord, what would you have me to see in this? Is there a lesson here? Is there something you're trying to teach me? But not everything that goes wrong is because somebody has sinned. Sometimes it is, as the Lord said, He will allow certain things to happen so that on the flip side of this, His glory can be seen. In other words, God knows that through that situation, if you will allow Him to, if you will allow Him to fix it for you, if you will allow Him to, to heal your heart, to heal your situation, to step in and do something miraculous, that He will get the glory for it. And can I just say something? Too often we give man the glory for what God does, and I know this is a little bit of a rabbit trail and not necessarily on subject, but I want to say that we have to be very careful when God does something to make sure that God gets the credit for it. I believe that God still heals. I believe that God still does miracles. I believe that God is still capable of doing whatever He has always done. And because of that, when He does those things, I think it is really important for God's people to give Him the glory for it. Hey, it's good to, to give a testimony in church every now and then and tell somebody what God has done. And by the way, don't use that time to talk about how awesome you are and, and paint it all under the, the, the guise of this is what God has done, but you're really just trying to tell Tell us how great you really think you are and how you fixed your situation. That's not giving glory to God. To give glory to God is to say, I didn't know how I was going to come out of this, and I didn't have anywhere to turn, but here's what God did. And so, in this situation, God said, nobody has done anything wrong, but I tell you one thing, I'm going to get the glory out of, out of what I'm about to do. And brother, when you're, that, when you're that far down and out, that nobody else can fix it, and God does, He ought to get the glory for it. And so, we see it here, that, that the situation is so dire that they assumed there must be a reason why He's in this state. Well, who in the world has sinned? And isn't that just like mankind? Well, you know, I see that they've been struggling over there. I wonder what they've done. Isn't that just how we are with each other? Well, you know, Brother So-and-so the other day, did you hear about him? wonder what God's trying to get His attention about. The Lord says, no. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You see that? Hey, you know what? This isn't the message I was going to preach, but can I just say this this morning? Don't ever stop praying for God to fix that thing that you have lived your entire life with. Just because he hasn't fixed it yet doesn't mean that he won't. Sometimes the timing needs to be right. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm just, I'm just saying it. Sometimes the timing needs to be right in order for that time of your life and the people around you that now know you and are paying attention, the time has to be right for him to fix it so that he can help other people who see it and get the glory for it. Sometimes it's just not the right time. Are you with me? How many times, I wonder how many times this blind man wished it would be different. We don't know how old he was. <laughs> but he's old enough that they're calling him a man, not a young man. 
He's probably been living with it for a while. And I'm here to tell you that just because God hasn't answered your prayer about that situation doesn't mean that He won't. It's okay to keep asking. Remember where the Lord says that for their, for their importunity? That means for their much asking, your Heavenly Father will often step in. Is everybody okay? But now listen, there are times when God just says, look, my grace is sufficient for thee. Right? And the reason that He told Paul that, even though Paul wanted to be delivered from, excuse me, that infirmity that he had, and he besought God often. But God said, look, I, because of the way that I've used you, Paul, I, I just, I, I can't allow you to go without this. I need you to be humbled a little bit because I've used you an awful lot and I don't need you, need you to get too high on the hog. So, sometimes God's answer is no. But listen, I just get the feeling that this fella had probably asked before and now the time comes. And when the time comes, now Jesus can get the glory for it and the timing is right so that those who see what has happened are now seeing the work of God and it's a testimony unto them. So just keep asking because there may come a time when God changes it. Amen? Now, I want you to see here verse number 4. Lord says, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is what? The night cometh when no man can work. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray again that You would do what only You can do with this service. Lord, You know the fight that I have had coming into the service this morning. I pray that You would do the work that I believe that You want to do. Even if it's for one person today, I pray that you would instill in them an urgency. Lord, we pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. Jesus comes to this man and he sees the great need. And he looks at his disciples and he says, Look, this man is in this state so that at this time I can do a work that will give glory to my name and prove that I'm the Son of God. And because of what is about to be done, this will now give Jesus even more evidence that He is the Son of God by performing another miracle. And He says, now because of this, I must work the works of Him that sent me. Is everybody with me this morning? Because the time cometh when no man can work. Listen to me. There is a day coming. And I don't know if it will be, be when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, when no man upon the earth that are the children of God will be able to do the works of God anymore, or if it will be the time when God takes you home individually and sends you on to heaven. But there is coming a time when the things that you need to get done in this life, you will not have time to do anymore. And listen to this preacher. We do not know the time when that will be. And some that are here that are young this morning may pass on before some that are old. And I want to say this today. Do not take for granted one single moment that you have to live this life and do the works that you have been sent here to do. Now listen to this preacher. Jesus took it very personal. And He said, look, there are things that I have been sent to do that I must 
personally do that no other man can do. Now, I know that we're not the Savior, but I want to say this, and I said it last week, and I don't know why I'm repeating it, but somebody needs to hear it, so I'll say it again. There isn't a lot of time to do the things that we think we ought to do and that we need to do. And you are not promised tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring forth. So listen to me, young and old. Do the works that God has sent you to personally do while there's still time to do it. Because God has created you for a purpose. You know one of the reasons why I think we lose our urgency to do the things that we're supposed to do in this life while there's still time? I think it's because we lose the importance of our own lives. And we lose the purpose of our own lives. And we think we're just another individual in the midst of millions and it doesn't really matter. And let me tell you something. Your life matters to God. And when He created you, He created you different because He wanted something for you to do that nobody else can do. He created you with a purpose and for a reason. Everybody in this room has something that you can still do for the Lord. And it's important for us to understand that our time will not always exist. You've got to get on it while you still can. Some still don't see their value to God or the reason why you are alive. And I want to tell you that He created you with a purpose. In Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I referenced this in Sunday school a little bit. And the Lord has put the two things together. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His what? According to His purpose. He called you to salvation and saved you for a purpose that He had in mind. And often we miss that purpose because we think, well, God's got a purpose for the preacher. God's got a purpose for the missionary. God's got a purpose for the Sunday school teacher. But what in the world am I supposed to do? They have positions and I don't. Can I tell you something? You don't have, a, you don't have to have a position to get something great done for God. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be a preacher. I tell deacons uh, whenever they get elected to the position of deacon, can I explain something to you? According to the scriptures, they don't get promoted to a position of authority. They get demoted to be the servant of the people and the servant of the pastor. Deacon isn't exactly a position that I would look for if I were you anyway. Because you become a servant of everybody at that point. That's your God-appointed God role. To be a servant. Say, so, oh, I can't be a deacon. I'm not qualified, you know, because of my life and because of some of the qualifications of a deacon. Don't worry about it. You know how many things you can do for the Lord that doesn't require a title? You know that there are people in your life that you can reach and only you can reach? Do you know that there are people in your home that you can influence and only you can influence? Listen to this preacher. I can't influence your kids the way you can influence your kids. I can't influence your coworker the way you can influence your coworker. Listen to me this morning. There is a work that only you... I'm about to shake the pulpit and I didn't want to do it because last time I did it I got in trouble. So anyway, I didn't actually get in trouble. I'm teasing, kind of. Uh, there is a work that God sent you to do that only you can do. Amen. Understand your importance. Preacher may not know who you are, but God does. Your boss may not know who you are, but God does. 
Who created you? Your boss didn't. The preacher didn't. And he put you here for a purpose. Amen. You know, even Pharaoh had a purpose with the children of Israel. In Romans chapter number 9 and verse number 17, the scriptures say, For the scriptures saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Now, here's what God said about Pharaoh. Like it or lump it, God put him in that place at that time because he knew how stubborn he would be, and he probably created him with some of those personality traits, although his sinful nature took over and made him worse than he should have been. And God used Pharaoh's stubbornness and his, his angry spirit towards the children of Israel to show his glory in that time and in that day. Listen, even Pharaoh had a purpose, even though his purpose was to bring judgment upon his own nation and show the power of God to deliver his nation. Is everybody okay? God can use and will use everybody according to his purpose. Now, I hate to say this, but God is using, you know what, never mind, moving along. The Lord told me not to say it, so I will move on. You have a purpose. Listen, listen to me. Even Pharaoh had a purpose. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose? purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Listen to me. Who did that? Who saved us and gave us a purpose? It was God Himself. And listen to me. Your boss can't give you a purpose like Jesus can. And your school can't give you a purpose like Jesus can. And your paycheck can't give you a purpose like Jesus can. Jobs can go. Money can go. But I'm here to tell you that the eternal purpose that God put you here to serve only you can do it. And you're here for a reason. So why don't you get busy for God. Why don't you get interested in being obedient to God and performing His will in your life and continuing to be a witness to those around you. Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Make sure you understand that you specifically have a purpose in this life. Amen. And you were saved for it. And you were created for it. I am amazed by all the times that I've been in conferences across this country and I meet some preacher that's tucked into somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and nobody knows about him and you meet him and he's got the power of God all over his life and his church sees it and God is doing a great thing and you think, my word, but nobody else knows about him. But look at the great work that's being done. But I'll tell you something, God knows about him. He knows who he is and he knows exactly who you are. You may, be, may think that God doesn't know about little old you in Campbell, Missouri and Malden, Missouri and Kenna, Missouri and Dexter, Missouri and Poplar Bluff, Missouri. You may think God doesn't know who you are because nobody else knows who you are. But I'm here to tell you, when He gave you breath in this life and saved your soul, He had a purpose for your life, and you're just as important as anybody else in this room. The time cometh when no man can work, so why don't you get the things done that only you can do for God while you still got time to do it? Our time is so short. You know, Paul was committed to fulfilling his purpose. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 10, the Bible says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, and my patience. He said to Timothy, a young preacher that he was trying to teach, he said, Listen, 
You've observed a lot of things in me, and one of them, you've seen that I know my purpose, and it's to live for God and give Him every minute that I can. Listen to me, Christian. You say, well, what can I do for God? Do you have any idea how much you're accomplishing for the Lord just by being obedient and doing what His Word says? Now, what does that mean? Do you have any idea how much your life matters to somebody else when you allow God through His Word to change you and clean you up from sin and make you different? But when we're not obeying His Word and not allowing Him to clean us up from our sin, our life doesn't make as big of an impact with the people around us. But when they see a big change in you and they know that something's different about you and they see how God has cleaned you up, that in itself begins to testify to those around you. But when God's people that have been called out and saved are living in sin and trying to accommodate the world with all of their sin, your life doesn't stand out and it doesn't fulfill the purpose that God put you here to do. Listen, you are supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And by the way, there's a heresy running around on the internet right now where people keep talking about how uh, these, these portions of the Gospels were only written to the Jewish people and that the Gentiles aren't actually supposed to be salt and light. And I'm sick of hearing it. If that's the case, that you're going to be so hyper-dispensational that you're going to separate the Jews from the Gentiles in the Gospels, then we've really only got a few books in the entire Bible that are made for us. And so I guess they forgot 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now listen, was God speaking to Jews when He was saying some of these things? Sure He was. But He was speaking to those that were believing on His name. Have you done that? Do you know what salt does? It preserves. You know one of your purposes in this life? Is to preserve this world from the rottenness that's trying to take over our homes? Trying to take over our workplaces? You know what happens every now and then when you're at the workplace and somebody starts talking dirty and doing something stupid and you stand up for the Lord and say, listen, please don't talk like that around me. I'm a Christian and I, I, I don't want to hear it. You know what happens? that meat that was going rotten at the workplace because all the sin was defiling it, now just got a little preservation if you can stop it from happening and stop the workplace from becoming so totally corrupt and totally perverted and totally sinful. God just used you as salt to kind of preserve that thing from going totally corrupt. You might, you might feel like in your home you're not making a difference. But listen, uh, you know what? Look at it, look at it. Lord just brought this to mind. We got to go to it. Look at where is it? First or second Peter? I got to find it real quick. Look at chapter three and verse number one of First Peter. You might feel like your life isn't making a big impact in your home. My husband doesn't listen to me. Well, let's address that. Now, don't shoot at me when I read the first passage. I didn't even preach about it. I'm just reading it to you. This is the Lord's words. If you don't like it, it's not between you and me. I'm just reading it. Amen. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. 
whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. What did the Lord just say? He said by your behavior, even if you have an unbelieving husband, by your Christian behavior, that's what the word conversation means there. It doesn't mean literally talking. It means your Christian behavior, your lifestyle. If you live in such a way where you are living yielded to the Lord and letting the Lord guide and clean you up, then your life will begin to make an impact on your husband who is a non-believing husband that won't listen. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. Salt. What you can do is do the works that are described in this book and obey them. And by doing so, God cleans you up and He helps you to become different from the rest of the world. And listen to me, that is a work that only you can do to be a testimony to the people around you that you have in your life. And I'm encouraging you to do something this morning. Please understand the urgency of the need to do the work that only you can do while only you can do it because there may not be much time for you to do it. We don't know when the last time will come. Now then, I've been talking about your influence on the world, and I have referenced briefly your influence on your family. Give me a moment and I'll be done, please. Work the works that He sent you to do for Him, and work the works that He sent you to do for your family. You understand, the first institution God established was the family, the home. And you understand that you have a role in that situation that only you can fulfill. There is a specific time frame for your life, mom and dad, and there's only so much time to do what you need to do. Man. After I studied this and began to think and meditate on it, I began to see my family differently. I didn't tell anybody, but over the past couple of days especially, as the Lord began to put my heart in the position to preach, I began to, I began to think what little time I may have to try to influence my kids. My wife says often when I leave the house, be safe and come back soon. Amen. Sometimes it gets a little old, but sometimes I hear it and I realize, you know what? <laughs> you never know. Amen. The night cometh when no man can work. Hey, Dad, listen to me. If you spend too much time at work and not investing in your son, what are the things that he needs to know from you that only you can teach him before you go? Well, I've got next year. I've got my whole life to teach him. Can I tell you something? I've heard it my whole life. And you don't always see it until it's upon you. 
But I feel like these 17 years with my daughters has flown. There's not much time if the Lord leads them on to something else. It goes like this. And while we think every day is so long sometimes and every week is so long, I promise you, when you get to the end of it, you'll realize time flew. There's only so much time you have to teach that son of yours, Dad. Take a little time off of work and and teach him. Help him. I promise you, you'll regret the lost time when you don't have it anymore. If the Lord were to take your son, were to take you, or they've moved on because life has moved them on, you'll look back and you'll wish. Do the people at work need you? Yes. But your family needs you more. Hey, Mom, there are some things that your children can only get from you. Don't take that for granted. While the world tries to move in and steal the hearts of our children, steal their hearts back. Mom, do you have any idea how much your children look up to you and love you? Do you have any idea how much a little bit of time matters to them? Charles Francis Adams. Listen to me, and I'm about done, please. The son of President John Quincy Adams and grandson of President John Adams kept a diary. One day he entered in his diary. Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is still in existence today. On that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry. Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Those aren't my words. I'm quoting somebody else, but how true they are. Time. You see, the time cometh when no man can work. Get some urgency about your life. See your importance to God and see your importance to your family and cram into every day as much as you can for both. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help us this morning with these truths.